Kia ora everybody, welcome to this episode of the Stag Raw, episode 39 and for this episode we're interviewing Lucas Crump from Everyman. Those of you who have listened to episode 35, I answered a question from Joseph Morris who is one of my influences at the moment and one of those influences is Dan Doty from Everyman and Lucas is the co-founder with Dan of Everyman and so this is an absolute pleasure to speak with Lucas because Everyman is something that resonates really really highly with me. Um, at the end of the podcast Lucas sort of flips it around and asks why it is that Everyman is resonating with men in Australia and New Zealand and I sort of came up with an answer at the time but I've since had an opportunity to think a little bit deeper about it and for those of you who have checked out my blog you would have seen that I've explored the topic a few times um, about what it's like to be a man um, also what it's like to be an individual within New Zealand um, in particular the blog I wrote a bit for Seed Waikato um, and how that was formed one of the things that I was facing when we moved to the Waikato was a little bit of isolation a lack of connection, um, a lack of meaningful friendships, I guess. Um, having moved around a lot, uh, played in various different rugby teams, I've, I know a lot of people, but um, I'm probably a little bit short on deep and, and, and meaningful friendships. Um, those out there that I do have deep and meaningful friendships with, it, I'm, I'm super lucky, but unfortunately... Um, both I've moved around a lot and uh, those people are, are scattered throughout the country and throughout the world. So um, yeah, moving to a place like the Waikato, it was reasonably isolating, especially when your older brother, you moved there to be close to, moves away to Christchurch where you've just come from. <laughs> um, the other thing that I did touch on is that um, New Zealand's, and Australia I guess, has got a real sense of adventure about it and the term mateship is something that's really strong within New Zealand and Australian culture as well as the terms bloke I guess and perhaps something that as we've become more um, urbanized as a society and away from that um, sort of rural culture that we were that pioneering culture that we were um, mateship has fallen by the wayside, our sense of neighbourhood as well has fallen by the wayside which is probably something that our communities as we were a young country really prided themselves on so I think this men's group, men's work is something that really resonates with um, who we are as a culture in Australasia, both New Zealand and Australia and that mateship, that blokeship really rings true so I think that's why um, Lucas and Dan are finding that they're having plenty of people reach out from this part of the world. Anyway, without further ado, this is an awesome conversation. We dive deep into a lot of things and it's really cool to have someone on the podcast who's got a little bit of experience with having a deep dive and going deep with, with feelings and thoughts and, and what it is to be a man. So hope you really enjoy this. I loved talking with Lucas and um, yeah, here it goes. Kia ora everybody. Um, we're sitting down with Lucas Crump 
from every man. Um, unfortunately, Lucas is in, or fortunately for Lucas, he's in Nicaragua, so we're not going to have the video for this um, because we don't want to lose the quality message that Lucas is going to um, convey to us today. But Lucas, before we start, um, I just mentioned that there, I usually start with asking what you've done in the weekend, but being uh, just after July 4th, what have you been doing um, for Independence Day and, and, and your time away? Yeah. Um, ironically, I was uh, reflecting. I've actually been in Nicaragua for the last three Independence Days uh, in, a, in a row. Um, this time I'm actually down here with my brother, uh, his wife, and my three nephews, nine, uh, 11, and, and almost 13. Um, and what did we do? We surfed yesterday. We surfed and, 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 and hung out. You know, couldn't couldn't have asked for a better day. Um, yeah, not nothing nothing too uh, patriotic, but uh, you know, fun nonetheless. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, you put up a pretty cool photo of of one of the, one of the, your nephews wearing a uh, wearing a groovy hat. You said something like six years old, going on 21, 21 or forty one <laughs> yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 11, 11 going on 25. That's, that's, uh, the middle one, Alice, uh, who seemingly, uh, most identifies with his uncle. Um, and so <laughs> he, uh, you know, I, it, it's, for me, it's been really interesting. Um, I was showing, showing them a video of, of one that my stepfather shot 10 years ago. And it's just, it's amazing to be able to watch these three boys, uh, grow up, um, and sort of form their own personalities and, and their own identities. It's just been, it's, it's, it's such a fun uh, experience for me as an uncle. I don't have any children of my own. So um, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed that. <laughs> nice. And so how do you find it being, being an uncle? Where do you see your influence coming through or, or the brother that you know coming through in, in, these, in this next generation? How does, how does that sort of feel and, and what do you see with that? You know, it's an interesting, um, and I'd say that my role, you know, as an uncle has evolved over the years. Um, you know, there was certainly a time when I was younger, maybe four or five years ago, that, that, that the, oftentimes the way that I would relate to my nephews was, you know, through sort of comedy and, and adventure. And we'd kind of joke around a lot and, you know, I'd make them laugh. And that would, that would sort of be the way we would connect. Um, you know, but I realized probably more and more that I was using that sort of comedy as a way to kind of distance myself from really actually telling them how I feel and, and, you know, what I feel towards them. Um, and so, you know, I think what I've really noticed more and more is how much my influence as an uncle, um, has on them. Um, and, and it's really forced me to be way more, um, aware, uh, of the impact of, of, of my behavior and sort of what I can share with them, um, in a, in a positive way. And I think now what's interesting is like, you know, as an, as an uncle, I get to be the, you know, the cool uncle that lives in New York. Um, and they, they, you know, they love and enjoy that aspect of me, but I can also slow down and, you know, really ask them, you know, what's going on for them, how they're feeling. Um, and demonstrate, um, 
you know, just a level of, of awareness that I didn't have before. And it's interesting how they relate to me now. Um, I, I definitely feel our, our relationship is, is, is much stronger. Um, you know, and then they see me differently, which is, which is interesting to see, to, to, to sort of observe. Beautiful. And so how do you feel, uh, that the environment that they're growing up in compares to one that you grew up in? Um, I, heard you uh, I, I did. Podcast yeah. Say that that was, that was a, a difficult environment for you growing up. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, you know, growing up, uh, I didn't, you know, my father through, through various circumstances, um, wasn't really around, wasn't really present in, in, in my life. I mean, he was, but I, I struggled to, to connect with him and, and really see him as a father, you know, as a result of, of different situations or circumstances in my childhood. Um, and so in many ways I had to, uh, you know, sort of take it upon my own, uh, to, uh, I guess, you know, I guess what I tend, what I did when I was younger was I just, I just sort of defaulted to, to work and being able to control, uh, as much as my environment as I could. Um, you know, and I, and I learned to depend very much on myself. Um, you know, because I knew that that's, that's the one thing, that's one person that I could depend on, um, which inevitably, I had tremendous benefits, um, you know, growing up, you know, work ethic and, and everything else. But I also realized that probably I didn't, didn't get to evolve as much as my ability to allow people to, to help me. Um, and so I think one of the, the, definitely the thing that I observed the most is just the benefit that my nephews have having, you know, two parents that are, uh, very much engaged. I mean, uh, you know, yesterday, um, we were at the beach and, and the, the guy that was uh, helping us with the surfboards dropped some money uh, on the ground and my you know, younger nephew, uh, you know, picked it up and returned it to him. And, and my brother said, you know, um, you, know you, you demonstrated, you know, family values, you know, that are, that are important to us. And it, it just really resonated how much my brother, my older brother, as a function of, of the circumstances we have, we had, has focused very much on his, um, you know, cr- created an environment for his children that, that is very different than the one that we had. Um, and, you know, it just re- really warms my heart to see that, to see the, the benefit that they have from, you know, from my brother's awareness uh, of, of how to create a different type of environment uh, for his boys. Beautiful. Um, so, I did a podcast um, episode 35 and we're up to 39 with this Lucas and I talked about myself and and got some questions from people and one of the things somebody asked was who are my influences and and I brought up the Everyman podcast being being an influence Mm -hmm. and actually an influence for doing this podcast and my next question is borrowed from that podcast and and it is who is Lucas Crump today? who are you, man? Whew, that's a that's a big that's a big question. Um, you know, it's probably I, I probably ask myself that <laughs> that, that same yeah. question every day. Um, you know, uh, who I am today is very much the product of of you know the the thirty nine years of of existence that I've had up until this you know up until this moment. Um, I, I, 
I would say who I am today is exactly who I'm supposed to be. And I know that sounds like a vague, you know, kind of a vague nebulous answer. But what I mean by that is, you, you know, I've learned over the years to, to accept exactly what's happening to me in the moment as what it should, should be for me. Um, and it's allowed me to move away from sort of grasping for things that I don't have or, you know, moping about circumstances that aren't, that aren't ideal for me or whatever it may be. Um, you know, and I think in that who I am today is probably the, the, the best version of myself. Um, you know, there were times in my life when I was younger, when I was, I was very much lost. Um, I was so consumed by my own self and my own, uh, you know, anger about, about my childhood and my own, you know, disdain for other people's success that it really clouded my ability to be who I am. Um, and so today having, you know, having done a lot of work to move through that, um, I'm incredibly happy about the person that I am in this exact moment. And so, you know, 39 years old, who's Lucas Crump, he's a, uh, kind, generous, uh, man that, you know, laughs a lot and doesn't take himself too seriously, but also has an enormous heart. Um, and in many ways is, is still working to, to open up my heart, um, you know, and, and allow the love that people have for me in, uh, it's probably one of my biggest struggles. Um, and, and I accept that that's exactly where I'm at, you know, that, that, that being at that point in this journey is just where I, where I am and it's okay. Beautiful man. And what are some of the tools that you've worked through to, to achieve that state of, of being? Yeah, man, I think, you know, um, there's, there's so, there's, there's so many tools, right? Um, I, I think, you know, it'd be easy for me to default to the, to talk about, you know, the tools that sort of every man has brought me, um, you know, which are, which are incredibly important, right? The, 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 um, idea of slowing down, connecting and, and, and sharing, um, and, and opening up has really allowed me to, um, develop a level of awareness about myself that I, that I haven't, that I haven't had previously. Uh, but I think beyond, beyond those shows, I think the, the one thing that's been really incredibly impactful is just mindfulness, um, and the ability for my own self to become aware of how I feel, um, and, and sort of slowing down enough to actually allow myself to feel whatever it is that I feel in any circumstance. Um, and then becoming incredibly comfortable with that feeling. Uh, that to me has been probably one of the most important tools that I've gained. Um, because it, you know, it's so easy to be in a difficult situation or to feel sadness or to feel joy or whatever it is, or to struggle pain and to immediately default to this, like, Oh my God, what's happening? How do I make sense of all of this? And, and, you know, and I, that used to be my, my default. And, you know, when I was younger in my twenties, like as soon as I would have those feelings, then I would go to, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be to try to avoid having those feelings, um, and sort of distance myself from them. 
Um, you know, and it was only, you know, up until probably four or five years ago that I started to really become very self-aware of what that sort of uncoupledness ultimately led to and how destructive that behavior was on me as an individual. Um, you know, and so, yeah, for me, you know, some of the key, key tools are mindfulness, um, awareness of my emotions and how I feel. And then beyond that, you know, the more practical things in terms of, um, you know, exercise and gym and, um, you know, uh, creating time just to, just to be okay with everything that's going on around me. Awesome. Um, diving a little bit further into that, how do you reconcile to just sit with a feeling instead of doing that very uh, macho thing of trying to fix it or, or shun it away or, or put it in a box and, and move on? How do, what do you think is the key to being able to sit with the feeling and acknowledge the feeling and, 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 and give it its time so that it doesn't all of a sudden bubble up and come out and at the worst possible time. Right. And I, and I think for me, uh, well, first of all, it's not easy and it's, uh, I don't, I don't want to be the one that claims for a second that I haven't figured out because you know, there's still moments of, of, of complete discomfort, um, you know, with certain circumstances, but I think what's helped me to, accept my feeling is to understand the physiology mm. of that and the fact that our emotion is 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 a physiological event you know or reaction that our body is having right um and that sort of allows me to say okay um my brain can't necessarily control this. My mind can't necessarily control this because my physiology is, 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 is responding to a, a, a situation and, and that physiology is then, um, you know, the export of that is this emotion that I've decided in my mind to either make it good or bad. Right. Mm. And so, What's been really, really powerful for me is just to understand that, oh, wow, my emotions are just a physiological reaction to some circumstance. And I've chosen to label that, label that response, that emotional response, either good or bad. And so, you know, understanding the science of it allows me to um, become more comfortable in understanding what's happening within my, within my body um, in, in this moment and then I can manage it, you know, then I can work with it. <laughs> but, but I used to, you know, have extreme discomfort. I would go to my head. Oh my God, this sucks. Let me not experience this. Boom. Let me go try to distract myself from what's going on through any, any variety of, of things that are out there to distract us, be it, you know, technology, food, drugs, alcohol, women, you know, the list goes on and on. Mm. Um, you know yeah <laughs> absolutely and, and there's one of the key things Don Batiste who's a, who's a clinical psychologist that we've had on um, taught me is that our um, emotions influence our feelings and our feelings influence our behavior and like you say if you're just ignoring the feeling and, and, and you're just going with your body's reaction or trying to get rid of it <clears throat> and then you're behavior just happens and then you go back and look look at it and go why did I do 
that silly thing. Actually, if you take right. yourself back a step and, and understand your feeling and understand your reaction, then you can you can a, a, adapt adapt your behavior and, and adapt the way you feel, and then things go much better. And, and on the rugby right. on the rugby field, that's that's powerful because things don't always go your way, but it's it's a metaphor for life, and and, and it's it's so valuable. Well, it very is, and I think you know we've gotten so caught up into thinking that we're always supposed to feel good, right? I mean, thinking that everything is always supposed to be, you know, that we're always supposed to, you know, we're always supposed to be happy. Everything's always supposed to be a, a, a positive moment, right? And we we sort of latch on to that positive feeling that when we, you know, that when an event happens that that you know that may not be as positive we immediately have a reaction to that. And so, you know, I, I constantly work on sort of disassociating myself from the experience and just allowing whatever experience is happening to just be. Um, because if I get too sort of addicted to the positive, then when the negative happens, you know, it's going to, it's going to overwhelm me. Um, and, and that can be very detrimental to, to, you know, whatever's happening in my life in that moment. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, off off here, we were talking about surfing, and you said how you'd been away from surfing, and now you're back into it, and maybe that you needed to take a extended year surfing holiday to to, to be in a position that you want. And we also talked about the parallels between trying to master surfing and and with with hunting. That if you're in your head and and you're focusing on other things, it just doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm if you'd like to delve deeper into why you think doing that sort of uh, truly focusing task um, is, is really an important practice. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, um, well, well, first of all, I think learning as an adult is just an incredibly interesting, uh, exciting opportunity that we have. Um, you know, I think one of the things that defines me as an individual is curiosity. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally curious of, of anything and everything. Um, and I'm totally acceptable, accepting with the fact that I may fail at, at any one of the things that I become curious at, at trying or, you know, you know curious to try or, or, or do, um, it's like, whatever that it's, it's just, you know, that just is. Um, but I think beyond, beyond the learning, which I would encourage anybody to do, because I think what happens to ourselves as males is, you know, we become so um, captivated by our primary task at hand um, and that task, you know, i.e. our job to provide for us, right? And we, we sort of fill the majority of our brain with that, with that one thing. Um, which really eliminates our opportunity to, to put other things in there, right? And so um, I, I do think it's incredibly important to find activities and experiences that force us to move away from the primary day-to-day thing that we consume ourselves with um, and focus us on having a different experience um, or focusing our mind on learning a different skill or a task. But I think as adults, it's incredibly hard to do that. Um, and so for me, I've tried to focus on activities that force me to have to slow down, 
to have to focus on that one thing or else I won't be successful. You know, surfing is a great example. You know, if I'm, you know, paddling into a wave and, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, that 10:30 a.m. meeting that didn't go so well or, or all the other things that I have going on, there's a high, high probability that I'm not going to catch that wave, right? If I'm, you know, slowing down, you know, out in the woods or something hunting or whatever it may be. And I, and I have to calm down and I have to slow down and try to figure out how to you know, shoot or, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge hunter, but I, I definitely know lots of guys that are, um, it's not going to go well, you know? And so finding those activities that will allow you to focus your attention and energy on something else, um, to move you away from your day to day. And then, um, you know, having the the success or, or the feel or the sense of accomplishment when you are able to do that is just a great way to reinforce um you, you know the need to to learn and focus on other things and then what we do every day nice i love that analogy that it, how transferable it is and i was just thinking about when you're learning something it allows your body or it allows your physiology to identify when you're becoming reactive in, in your reptilian brain um, mm -hmm. and get out of that um, known knowledge this is easy monkey brain and, and become creative and, and more open-minded and, and and find things and other avenues which excite you and, and and spark creativity do you find that after a good surf you, you come out and you're, and you're buzzing and and you're ready to um, create some stuff Oh, I mean, un undoubtedly. I mean, I think that probably, you know, unfortunately living in New York City, I don't get to surf as much as I'd like to. <laughs> um, but, uh, but with training, um, you know, I'm very, very active uh, in, the, in the gym, weightlifting and, and, you know, different types of cross training and things. And, you know, I find that you know, I, I work with a trainer that, that is really, really focused on the fundamentals and pushing me to be the best you know, at the, at the singular motion or whatever it may be. And I, I find that, yeah, I mean, seven fifteen in the morning before my day starts, you know, I'm, I'm in the gym trying to have a perfect power clean or whatever it may be. And it is such an incredible way to start the day. And I know definitively if I've had a good workout or not, um, if I've had it, you know, there is a sense of euphoria. There's a sense of accomplishment. There's a sense of desire to sort of, get back there tomorrow and, and do better. And that is an, you know, that to me is, is the, the best way to start my day. Um, you know, as I launch into all the other things that I've got to deal with on, you know, between nine and 7 PM. <laughs> Beautiful. And, uh, is there any other way that you'd like to start the day or win the day or, or, or set up a good pattern for the day? Definitely meditation. Um, you know, and I'm, I, I go in and out, admittedly. I mean, I know the benefits of meditation, and it's been an incredible uh, practice for me. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a hard practice to slow down and repeat. But I try to do, you know, I try to meditate a couple times a week. Um, and interestingly enough, one of the, you know, my meditation practices actually just sit completely naked. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, my my girlfriend's always like, hey, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> but, 
but 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 you know the intention behind that is very is very specific um you know oftentimes we use clothes as protection right and so when we are naked we're in our most vulnerable state right mm -hmm. more often than not like if, if you were to walk outside naked right now you would immediately have a tremendous sense of vulnerability right and shame and, and everything else that's going to come up with come up for you and so for me I actually sit naked and I allow myself to feel exactly how I feel in that uncomfortable moment of being, you know, the guy, you know, sitting, sitting in a meditative state on my floor, uh, totally naked. And I become incredibly aware of how my body feels and, and how my mind is reacting to how, you know, this practice and what it's allowed me to do is become more and more comfortable with being uncomfortable, more and more comfortable being in a vulnerable position. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing sort of activity. I know it sounds completely out there, but uh, I've, I've had tremendous benefit from it. Awesome. And if, and our friend Chris Desmond will love that his podcast is called uncomfortable is okay. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So how did Dan Doty come into your life and, and why did every man become a thing? <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. We have to, we answer that question a lot. And, um, Dan and I, ironically, we were on a uh, cruise ship uh, of all places at an event called Summit at Sea. I don't know, some of the listeners out there might, might have been to. It's, uh, it's an incredible event, brings together um, you know, different types of social entrepreneurs, activists, entrepreneurs, interesting people from sort of all walks of life. Um, you know, and it's a combination of, of speakers and, you know, sort of community discussions and engagement. Um, and it used to be on a cruise ship. Now it's actually, I think it's gotten so big that they do it, uh, in Los Angeles. Um, but I was actually on that and Dan was as well. And, um, Dan and I were both lined up to go see Esther Perel, um, who's a, just an incredible um, you know, therapist and, and relationship expert, speaks a lot about modern relationships. Her books are, you know, uh, The State of Affairs is a, is a great one. I think it just came out. Um, but Dan and I were, were in line waiting to, to hear Esther. And I looked over and he had, his name tag said, Man Camp Bozeman, Montana. Um, and ironically, that past summer, this was in 2016, I had just uh, visited Bozeman, Montana for the first time and I'd fallen completely in love with it. Absolutely. Um, just, it's hard to believe this place exists. Um, it's just such an incredibly breathtaking, beautiful piece of our country. Um, and I was completely enamored by it. And so I immediately started talking to Dan, you know, wow, man camp, what, what, what's that all about? Um, and that sort of segued into a solid, you know, 45 minute discussion. I don't even, I think we eventually did sit down to see Esther speak. Um, but for the rest of the uh, cruise, Dan and I, you know, really found as many opportunities as possible to connect. Um, I was really blown away by his um, awareness of, of men and, and the struggles that, that men have and his real passion for that. I was at a point in my life where I, I had just kind of woken up and it became very aware to me that 
in order for me to grow as an individual, I was going to have to create a new community of men that, uh, that I interacted with. Um, you know, having growing up without a father, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of positive male influences and the ones that I did have, um, you know, were, were good in, in, in many ways, but they weren't necessarily enable me to grow and learn. And so Dan came into my life at this very unique moment. Um, and on the cruise ship, I think he asked me, he said, you know, I'm doing this retreat with my friend, uh, Sasha Lewis, who's the, who's the other every man. Mm. Um, I'd love for you to come, you know, and I, I've always been open to different types of retreats, different types of, of, you know, community building activities. Um, and so, you know, about a month after that, that, uh, that first meeting on the cruise ship, um, I went up to, to Racebrook Lodge, which is kind of the, the home of every man in many ways on the, on the East Coast, um, and sat in a circle with, with 25 guys, many of which Dan and uh, Sasha knew from, from their um, previous time together in a men's group in New York City. Um, as well as individuals just from, you know, the, the larger community that, that Sasha was a part of. I didn't really know anybody. Um, and, uh, you know, we spent two and a half days, uh, you know, talking, connecting in many different ways. It was funny because we actually called the retreat open source because Dan and Sasha didn't necessarily even have an itinerary for the weekend. So he's like, we'll just, we'll just open source it. Um, and, you know, after that two and a half days was done, um, I was completely blown away by a couple of things. One was um, the, the desire that so many of the men had in, at this retreat to to want to connect. Um, but I was also really taken back by the inability for, for many of them to connect and really have the, the tools that they had. Uh, a friend of mine that was actually the one friend that I did, uh, ask to join me, um, at one point, you know, during the, the weekend stopped me and just said, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that you asked me to come. And having done, you know, this type of work previously in various, you know, capacities, it wasn't new to me, but it was new to me, the response that so many of these men had. And in that moment, I just knew that um, I wanted to use, you know, my skill, my talent to, to help Dan uh, and Sasha realize what their vision was. Um, and I just offered it to them. You know, I said, hey, guys, like, I, I'm, I'm, I would love to help in any way, shape or form bring this work to more people. Um, and that's really when every man started and, uh, time it's, it's, it's crazy to think that we've only been doing this for, you know, a year and a half, 20 months. Um, cause this community has just grown larger than I, than I ever could have, uh, anticipated, uh, in this such a short period of time. Nice. What was, what was the feeling going in and what was the feeling coming out? Um, I, I think the feeling going into that retreat was definitely fear. Um, but it was, it was a real desire. I mean, I was at this point where at, at that point, I think I'd lived in New York city for about four years and, you know, I, I moved to New York city after having spent 10 years living overseas. I was 32 years old at the time, you know, New York city is a, it's an incredible place, but it's also, it's a very lonely place in many ways. And I think what I did was I defaulted to, um, 
finding a girlfriend. Um, and that girlfriend really became my life for a, for a number of years. And I didn't have that opportunity to meet a lot of other guys and make friends. And so going into that weekend, it, you know, and I was, I was just coming out of that relationship. I really wanted to try to connect with some guys and, and try to make some new friends. Um, almost to the point where I was thinking I was going to have to force it. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I knew that I wanted to come out of that weekend um, just having better acquaintances, having better guys that I could, that I could connect with and relate to in, in New York City. Um, and, you know, little did I know I got way more than that. <laughs> I, I got my life's work in many ways. <laughs> nice. So you mentioned that word there, work, and it's often what uh, you guys are talking about is, is doing the work and, and in the men's groups turning up to do work. What is, what is, the I don't know. I mean, you like the word, the word work is such a weird, I think we, we, you know, work has so many different connotations in our society. Um, I, I kind of like men's work. And then there's moments where I think, well, what does men's work even mean? I mean, what, what do what you, what's your response to the word work? <laughs> what? For me, for me, the the word itself, um, it's it's funny. Where I'm from in New Zealand, we roll our R's, and so saying work is is always something that identifies me um, out to the rest of New Zealand. That like, oh, you talk weird, but that actually doing the work. Oh, I think um, I'm very. The, I think the reason why every man resonates really well with me, and I'm I'm actually going to be going to. Uh, a men's circle here in, in, in Ballina where I've moved to next next week to just see what it's like. But um, to actually break down your life and break down your thoughts and and then find your areas which keep tripping you up, I think, and then you can you can work on them is, is where that comes in for me. But um, what what does it mean for mean for you and how does it follow into your life? Yeah, I mean, doing the work. Um, and I guess we kind of use that until we've, uh, <laughs> in, until we've figured out a better name. But for me, you know, it's, it's this, it's, it implies a level of awareness mm. that one has about the things that aren't working. Um, and then the, the desire to, to, to do the work, to work on those areas of, of your life that, that you know aren't functioning as well as they should. Um, you know, it can be relationship. It can be, you know, with your partner. It can be relationship with your father. It can be relationship with your friends, your family, whoever, relationship with yourself in many ways. But it's just that I think, I think in many ways it's the, it's the awareness that one has about areas in their life that they need to change and or improve. And that's not to say that, you know, there's this other word that comes up a lot like, Oh, the, the, you know, I want to be a, a better version of myself. And, and I, and I, and I get that. And, you know, I think we all strive to, to do that, but, you know, in some ways you, you don't want to imply that the current version of yourself is bad. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a real acceptance that we need to have of exactly who we are in this moment uh, and not judge that and not put that down. Um, there's always a desire to improve or to change, but, but there's also a real need for us to accept exactly who we are and be totally okay with that. Cause that to me um, 
that's probably some of the hardest work that one can do is to accept who they are. Absolutely. Um, changing tact ever so slightly, but um, it's, it's still on the, the same topic of men and men's health and men's mental health. And I mm-hmm. was just scrolling through Instagram prior to this and you had a post a couple of ones ago about, about suicide. And, and it's part of the reason why I, I wanted to get one of you guys on board because having that mental health state be better hopefully will will um, prevent suicides in our country. And so two years ago, preparing for Movember, um, I grew a big beard and then shaved it off and created a video for YouTube. And, and I put the song by um, a New Zealand group called Homebrew. And I think it really, the lyrics of the song really speak to the state of a lot of men within New Zealand. And so it goes like this, it says, see in my country, the suicide rates high as a junkie. And it's funny because we're the ones who invented the bungee. Now we think that we're so hard, <laughs> we even jump without the rope. We're tied around our throat like a true Kiwi bloke. It ain't a joke. We're living in this macho show. <laughs> Nobody our hearts broke. World where there are no humans, only machines. In the bars talking their barcodes. Hard, bro. But we know that we aren't, though. We mumble a bunch of bullshit, sports scores, and weather talk. And if we say that it's cold, that's a metaphor. Because we as men, we've, we're never taught to express ourselves. Or better yet, accept ourselves. So we're stressing out trying to be anybody except ourselves, mess around trying to hide what we're depressed about. Got to take X amount of ecstasy to let it out. We're dead men trying to pretend that we're all hard as bedrock while we watch two half-naked dudes stuck in a leg lock. As 10 dogs compete for one bitch on heat, like a cockfight to prove who's got the biggest beak. Shit is bleak, no humanity, only who's the manity. Is this reality or a parody? And so... I, th- I think especially in New Zealand where we've got a a lot of isolation and especially in our rural community, the suicide rate is even higher. Um, what, mm-hmm. do you th- what do you think is so important about creating deeper connection between men? Well, I mean, I think what's so important about it is that it's completely normal and natural. And in many ways it's our, it's our resting state as a human being, right? I mean, uh, you know, 50 million years ago, 10 million years ago, 5 million years ago, 1,000 years ago, whatever it was, whatever it may be, we lived in community, right? Men hunted in, 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 in groups. Men, you know, men and women lived in communities. They supported one another. Um, you know, you can look at the Native American culture. Had, they had elders and they had tribes and and we as human beings, our resting state is to be in community and to be connected. And somewhere along the way, we started to get stuff. Um, and then everything sort of, everything shit the bed, really. Um, we sort of moved away from living in community and being connected and started looking at ways that we could sort of be the, the king of our own kingdom. Um, and, and that's really where a lot of, uh, a lot of this started. Um, and we've now gotten to the point where we actually don't really know how to operate within community and how to operate within a tribe. You know, the skills that are required in terms of being open and honest about how we're feeling about what's going on for us. There's a real atrophy there because we don't practice it anymore. Um, you know, to me, th- 
there's nothing more, um, you know, for me, there's nothing more sacred than, than being able to, to connect with the group of guys and have that ability to, to connect at the deepest, deepest level, but then to also, you know, have a laugh and go and, and, and have a bit of adventure or whatever it may be. It's this, it's a sort of ability to have this full spectrum of relationship. Um, and that's when life becomes interesting. It's, it's sad to me that we've sort of uh, convinced ourselves that we don't need that, um, that we don't need that connection, that we don't need that sense of community, that we don't need to be open and authentic and honest with how we're feeling. Um, because that right there is, is what's killing us. Um, you know, men are hurting themselves and they're hurting other people. And I truly believe that, that the source of that is, is, is that we aren't connected anymore. Um, we're not connected with ourselves and we're certainly not connected with other men. Um, really that's, that's a big, big, um, part of, of what every man's mission is, is to create uh, community and also to create acceptance, um, and awareness for the, the simple act of, of being an open, honest and authentic with other men, um, you know, and practicing that behavior, um, on an ongoing basis. That's and so. Having this this group around you does it does it create a level of accountability for your actions and feelings? One hundred percent. You know, I think it creates a level of accountability. Um, you know, simply because you learn to, um, you know, that community that you create is, it, you know, they want they want you to succeed, right? They're 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 your, they're your tribe. They, they want to, to lift you up. Um, and they also want to, to pull you up when, when you need it. And so if that community sees you not, you know, fulfilling what you've committed to, then, you know, they're definitely going to hold you accountable. But beyond that, um, you know, I think that that community also, uh, gives you the, understanding and perspective that we don't often have, or maybe we don't often want. Right. And so the ability for somebody to tell me openly and honestly what my behavior looks like to them and me having to accept that, um, is a, is a real practice because I think, you know, more often than not, we immediately would, would, would default to a, to defending ourselves or justifying ourselves. And so the practice of, of just allowing one to accept the feedback that comes to them, um, you know, and do with it what they choose is a, is a very powerful um, practice. Nice. That's, that's really cool. And, and you speak about tribe there and um, Ben Logan, who's, who's replicating what you guys are doing over in New Zealand with, with Logan Law. And I believe he's talk, talked to Dan a few times. But um, we spoke Great. about a, a rite of passage being missing from our society. Do you think that having a men's circle with elders is something that creates a rite of passage as opposed to, you know, in my experience, going to university and, and getting drunk for three years before realizing that, I was doing everything wrong and then taking another four years, four or five years to figure out what it was that I was doing wrong. Um, right. You know, and, and, and like you said, you, you went on an adventure for 10 years, but it, whilst 
there's so many positives out of it. There was areas that you, you were you were thinking, well, what, what's going on? You know, do you think that having right. a group around you <laughs> creates a better rite of passage? I guess. Um, I definitely does, and, and people often talk about the, the the notion of rite of passage, and I think that in many ways, um, you know, yes, like in our in our modern day world, you know, the 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 notion of sending a, a boy out into the jungle, you know, for you know twenty four or forty eight hours, or, or going on a you know your first hunt or whatever it may be. Like I think that you know those are some of the more traditional notions of rite of passage. Um, that exists that we oftentimes default to. And I think there's part of me that, that wants us to acknowledge that, you know, we don't, we don't live in the, in, in a similar culture. So we may not, we may not have that and we may not necessarily need to replicate that. I think what is important um, is that people, you know, or men define what their rite of passage is um, for themselves, whatever that experience looked like looks like and then and then try to create that um but i don't necessarily think that we have to sort of default to these um you know kind of you know neolithic or whatever it may be sort of more um you know more structured rite of passage more tribal rites of passage although if, if individuals want to partake in those i'm i'm a i'm a huge advocate of it um i just think it's important to do to to identify what what your own rite of passage is, um, and then and then you know actualize on that. And I think in many ways that you know men can sort of go through a constant state of rite of passage. If you think about like oh you know this this moment that distinguishes sort of a movement from one sort of behavior to to the next, or from one sort of age to the next stage. Like you know I think that we as individuals are constantly growing and evolving. And so there's many, many rites of passage um, that we can, can partake in on an, on a, on an, on an ongoing basis, really. Um, you know, uh, in some ways I feel like every, every, you know, every Tuesday night for me at, at my Everman group is a, is a rite of passage. Um, Cause I'll learn something and I'll sort of move to a, to another state or another level in my life. Absolutely. And enough. I feel, feel feel exactly the same. Just tuning into every man podcast every week, uh, hearing somebody else's <laughs> perspective, or you know, fight, finding those things that resonate with your own life, and, and like I say, becoming more accepting of of who you are and where you've been and what your what your journey has been up until this point, and and, and going forward. Yeah, and I I think if I think about it, like you know, there's one part that that says, oh, like let's default to some sort of prescribed activity that we believe is a rite of passage. Um, and then, you know, and then, and then, and then we have some relationship with whatever we think the outcome of that is going to be right. Mm. Um, versus, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to go and, you know, stick my hand in a hole of fire ants and I'm going to bear that pain. And then, you know, if I'm able to accomplish that, then I'm immediately going to be thrust into the next, you know, realm of my life. That may very well be, but, but it, but one could ask, like, did that, did that, did that act accomplish the belief that we, that we thought it was going to, or could it be something more subtle, you know, could the simple act of, being 
completely honest and authentic with your parents in terms of your relationship with them um, or with yourself, could that be a rite of passage without having to sort of go through this more outward um, you know, projection of what we think a rite of passage should be? I, I, I don't know, but it's just certainly something to think about. Absolutely. It, it might not necessarily be the act, but um, be the change of mind or, or, or state that that's, that's the outcome of that. Is that what you're going Exactly, exactly. Because um, I think we, when we take that approach, we can look at many different events as rites and passages in our life. Um, and we can honor them in the same way that we would in something that's more structured or more prescribed. Nice. Um, so one of your journeys in, into the world was playing rugby in Uganda. What one, um, <laughs> how does, how does someone from the States get into rugby and two, why, why Uganda? And, and was it because, <laughs> because they played rugby there or because you were playing rugby and you thought, Hey, I'll, I'll give that away. Uh, yeah, rugby, rugby is a passion of mine. Um, you know, funny, funny enough, I went to a Jesuit, I went to an all boys Jesuit school, um, in, in Kansas city. And, uh, I was a big guy, um, in, uh, in high school. I was, uh, you know, in, in, you know, gridiron, as you guys call it, I was a, I was a, I was a tackle. Um, but unfortunately the guy in front of me in the, uh, in the roster, um, was about two times as big as me um, and actually ended up playing um, it, at Notre Dame, which is one of the most pre- predominant, you know, football schools in, in the United States. So it was, it was, uh, you know, I wasn't going to play very much, unfortunately, due to circumstance. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I definitely wanted to, uh, you know, I, I definitely wanted to, um, you know, partake in team sports. So I actually played gridiron. Um, you know, but then I also played rugby as well. And in my, my town, there was a, there was a men's league, um, which was my, really my first introduction to rugby um, and really fell in love with the game. Um, and I think just something about the, um, y- 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 you know, I forget the word, but like, you know, rugby is this, um, you know, very aggressive sport played by gentlemen. Right. And I really appreciated the, the camaraderie, um, that, that the team had and the level of, of respect that, that one had on the pitch, um, for the team, for the, you know, for the, for the opposing team. Um, and I just, I just really took to it. I, myself, I played for, for, for many, many years. So did my younger brother, um, you know, throughout high school and then college. And then, um, actually when I, when I moved overseas about 22, 23, I was still playing at the time in the first country that I, that I ended up in was Uganda. Um, and, um, you know, I, I played at a pretty high level. Um, and so when I got to Uganda, you know, one of the ways that I was going to sort of first meet people and make friends was to play rugby. Um, and you know, I just sort of rocked up to the, to the rugby club and said, Hey guys, I, I got boots. Um, you know, where do you need somebody? Um, and it, it was just a great, it was such an awesome experience. Um, because there was this immediate sort of shared understanding of the game, um, yeah. and what the game represents. Um, and I was very, um, you know, it was funny cause I'd never really like, it had always been told that I always kind of felt that in, you know, at various tournaments and different things, but to really put that, um, into action, 
um, and be welcomed as part of a team for you know a few months. It, it was an, it was an incredible experience. Um, I think it was probably one of the last. God, it was probably one of the last times I played 15s, actually. Um, so I, you could say I probably ended my rugby career in Uganda in many ways. <laughs> nice. And uh, you told Dan an interesting story about um, the realities of a country like that with the, the rugby club getting broken into or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, no, that was a real moment. People always ask me, like, what, you know, what are things you remember? I'm incredibly fortunate in Kansas. I always say like, you know, people are like, wow, you've, you've traveled abroad a lot. You've traveled overseas. Well, if you grow up in Kansas, you, you know, you sort of, uh, you, you want to see the rest of the world. And, and I took the dream. I think definitely one of the most profound was, was Africa. Um, for many, many ways. But one of the stories that I, that I do recall was just, um, you know the 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 relationship with life that that exists in Africa. It seems like the death is something that's it's so commonplace as a function of of disease or uh, war or whatever it may be. And we were playing, um, we we played, we, we had a game one weekend, um, and on Monday we you know sort of debriefed on the game and, and things that had happened. And the rugby coach was said, you know, somebody left the clubhouse open over the weekend and. You know, unfortunately, you know, one of the guy, one of the local villagers, snuck into the to the um, uh, clubhouse and stole a bunch of beers, and then you know got drunk, and the guard shot him. So don't leave the clubhouse unlocked. <laughs> I just remember in this moment, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> you know, like that that is such an ex- extreme uh, uh, event, but, but it really was very endemic of the fact that death is, is, is so much a commonplace. I mean, in in our life, I don't, I don't know what the, you know, what the the outcome of that was, but it it really resonated with me in many ways. Yeah, no, that's, that's freaky. And and you said you, one of the last times you played 15s when you're in Singapore, did you give sevens or tens a go? Uh, I, did I did play a bit of sevens in Singapore, in Hong Kong? All I did was uh, you know hang out in the South Stands uh, for this <laughs> for the tournament. That, that's about the most rugby I played in Hong Kong. Um, but no, I did play a little bit of the sevens when I first got there. Uh, but you know the thing I found was just you know rugby is an incredibly fun game when you're fit and you're strong and when you're not fit and you're not strong it's not fun (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i I, you know i I held on as long as i could but but eventually i had to uh i had to give it up but uh i'm a big um you know i watch a ton of rugby now and and certainly um i'm I'm a real advocate of the sport in, in many ways no, awesome. It's exciting to see uh, USA Sevens really um, doing great things on the circuit. Um, they've been in yeah, the, the World Cup is uh, is next month, actually, in San Francisco, or this month in, in San Francisco. Unfortunately, um, I'm not going to be there because we have an everyman event. Um, but uh, a bunch of my buddies are from from when I from when I used to play. So um, it's it's been interesting watching. You know, as you mentioned, and just watching the team sort of progress and grow. I mean, the, the, the U S uh, 15s team just beat Scotland. I don't know what Scott, I don't know what side Scotland had for the game, but um, I know, I know we were 
you know, it was particularly proud moment for, uh, for the U S to beat, uh, you know, a, a rugby playing nation for the first time ever. No, that's epic. And especially because Scotland did pretty well this year in the six nations. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool if that was a, a full strength team. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the questions that I, that I had for you and sorry to flip it around, but I think one of the things that w- what's been really cool for us is, is that the level of interest that um, we've received, in, you know, in every man from Australia and New Zealand. Um, you know, this is the first uh, podcast that we've done, uh, you know, with, you know, that's, that's particularly focused on the region, but, but we have had a ton of guys that have reached out to us. I think we have a couple every man groups down there now. And I just wanted to get your, you know, what your thoughts on like why that is, what, you know, what, we could do to, to, to help build the community in, in Australia because it just seems like that, that, it, that there's a real interest. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was looking on your, your page and I saw there's a group in Melbourne and one in Dubbo because I was, I was seeing if, yeah. if there's anyone around here, as I said, I'm going to um, a men's circle which is meeting monthly um, in, the, in the town I'm in next Wednesday. So um, I, I think probably as, as a country, it's, it prides itself on on masculinity and on on um, we've got a sort of a, a thing in New Zealand and Australia that's sort of she'll be right attitude and and um, getting on with things, but I think the level of suicide is is really scaring a lot of people. And um, Movember movement is is pretty strong, and and um, I think because it's something that resonates with New Zealanders quite well that uh, what facial hair can you grow and it's it's a it's a way of of sort of getting the openness and and the um, ability to talk under the radar by by simply chucking a moustache on and, and it's, it's why I do it every year because as an optometrist you get people coming and, and you look a little bit silly but it, it sparks a conversation and so I think that Having had that for a number of years, when something like Every Man comes along, that's it's taking it to another level. It's, I think we're as men, we're ready for that, and we're ready to find something that can can bring us together and and, and take us to a deeper level, as as opposed to like I said, just talking about the weather or or, or the rugby score from the weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's interesting because it's like. Every man certainly doesn't doesn't replace that. I mean, there's a there's a there's a there's space in our lives for for that chat. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I, I'm a you know Adam Garoni in in November. It's just it's been incredible to see what those guys have been able to do in terms of raising awareness for mental health. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that we focused on is is moving the sort of awareness to um, to actual action. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything we focus a lot on creating awareness, but we're, 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 we're way more focused on, on the actual action, right? So how do we actually solve this problem at the root? Um, you know, and so we're, we're huge supporters of November and what they're doing. We, we certainly, um, you know, believe that the work that we're doing as well helps address the, 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 the suicide rate um, among other things. I mean, the su- suicide is, is just one you know, it's 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 sad um, and, and it's painful to look at those statistics. Um, but there's so many other people that are impacted by mental health, be it families, be it partners, uh, colleagues, 
Um, you know, and I think when we as men take our emotional wellness, uh, you know, that's what, that's what every man, that's what we call it. When we take our emotional well-being seriously, as seriously as we do, you know, working out or, um, you know, performing at our job, when we take that seriously, we can really better ourselves and better our communities and, and, and really then actually support other men, um, you know, and, and, and helping them to address, you know, the challenges and the struggles that are, that are holding them back and then ultimately could lead to, um, you know, an event that, that we don't want. Yeah. I think, I think also the, uh, another appeal for Kiwis and Australians is, is the way that you've framed every man in, in terms of the open source retreats, you know, um, the, the expeditions and things like that. I think that's, it's another thing that sense of adventure um, is, is quite exciting. And, and that was when, when I heard Dan talking to Joe Rogan, that was how I sort of got sucked in. I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. And then they actually, the concept of every man was as guys talking and, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a great concept. And I, I think that's what draws you in. And then what you get back out of it is, is even, even greater. And, and that, sense of well i can i can do so much more and i can you know where i'm at's great and and from here i can and move forward with power i think i think that's what why it's a, a great, great concept absolutely and i think you know another core belief that that we have at every man is is that um you know we 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 you know, our focus is creating awareness for men's emotional wellness um, and, you know, identifying practices that help further that, you know, and a core of that practice is obviously a weekly meeting, um, you know, a, a men's group as it's traditionally called. And, and but we don't have a, uh, a real, you know, we're a, we're a decentralized organization. Like we support, you know, groups all over the world. Um, but collectively, those groups decide, you know, how they want to focus their group. I mean, we have a set of agreements and we have, you know, tools that we provide those groups. Um, but the group itself, you know, decides what's best for the group. And so a big belief that we have is we want other groups that may exist on their own, you know, independent of every man to, to actually become part of every man. Um, because we know that collectively as a organization, you know, if we can unify the voice, um, you know, of all these disparate groups, as well as the everyman groups that start, you know, organically that we help start, um, we think that that, that unification is what can, can really collectively raise awareness. So we have a lot of everyman groups that are, you know, there may be your men's circle that you're going to, you know, next week that, that, you know, want to make that group the best possible group that they can have. And so they actually uh, become an everyman group and we can provide them tools and resources and coaching, um, you know, they go to retreats and everything else um, to make that experience the best possible experience that it, that it can be. I mean, the thing that, the thing I always like to think about is like, you know, if you're going to be in a group, why not make that the best possible group that it can be? You know, like if you're going to go to the gym, why like only work out like halfway, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, that's awesome, mate. So where do, where do people find every man and, and yourself and, and Dan and, and um, Sasha? Where, where, where do they find you guys? 
Yep. Everyman.co, E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.co um, is where is our website. You can email me directly, Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, at everyman, E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.co. Um, email Dan, D-A-N, at everyman.co. Follow us on Instagram. I think it's underscore everyman, uh, as well as Facebook. Um, yeah, just shoot us a note. I mean, the, like I said, we've got groups all over the world now. We've got retreats, uh, lots of different activities coming up um, that are on the docket. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from, from everyone. I mean, we are, um, you know, we as an organization are incredibly focused and committed to building the organization that can support these groups and men all over the world. Um, but the support of the community of individuals like yourself that are, that are you know, creating opportunities for us to w raise awareness for what we're doing in their communities is so, so important um, to, the, to, to us in this organization. Um, you know, and we're just, we're just incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Beautiful, mate. And it's, it's my pleasure. Um, before we go, what's something that you'd like to leave the audience with or an ask of the audience if, if you have anything? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the big ask would be, you know, for, for men out there, I'd say just check in with yourself. Just, just, you know, ask yourself in a very open and honest way, like, am I holding back in areas of my life? Um, you know, am I, am I not telling somebody how I actually feel about them? Am I not, um, am I avoiding a confrontation or a conversation that, that could be, um, you know, potentially difficult, but, but opening in many ways. Um, I just say, become aware of that. Um, you know, and once you're aware of that, you know, ask, your, ask, ask yourself why, like, why, why are you doing that? Um, and then, then ask yourself what you want, you know? Um, and after that, you know, <laughs> check out every man or check out another organization that can support you in, in helping to break down those barriers, helping to break down those walls and create the opportunity for you to have more, um, more fulfillment in your life. Um, but also not, like I said before, not, no judgment on where you're at because where you're at is where you're supposed to be. Beautiful, mate. Thank you so much for coming on board. And it's awesome to connect and hopefully one day uh, I can get to get over to you guys and, and join in on, on one of those. We hope, we hope. We want or, or, or get a bunch of guys and in, in, in invite us. To us. We'll have to come down there and do a retreat. <laughs> awesome, mate. Thank you so much. What another great episode that was. And pretty cool ask there at the end from Lucas in terms of checking in with yourself and really making sure that you're being honest with who you are and, and accepting of yourself. It's quite interesting today, Chanel O'Sullivan, a.k.a. Just a Farmer's Wife, put up a tweet about people in New Zealand just saying, G'day, yeah, how are you? Good. Even though you're not good. And... With that, I actually shared with her some of those Tom Scott lyrics, which I recited in the podcast. Um, and we got to talking about, well, what do you say when somebody asks you how, how you are? And, and then I, I brought up the fact that often people will go, oh, I'm busy. And I tend to follow that up with, oh, busy doing what? And it really catches people off guard and it 
really makes him realize that that response I've given is just pretty automatic. And Chanel said how she doesn't, she tries her best, sorry, to not say she's busy, but then she also doesn't know what else to say. And so what I threw back to her was perhaps when somebody asks you how you are, that's a sort of an opportunity to take a mental pause, check in with yourself, and then be honest with yourself and with the person who's asking. And from there, we can be more open and we can be more in touch with our feelings and also take stock of where we are within our day, making sure that we're not automatic in our responses and automatic in what we're doing each day. Because something that both Dr. Libby and Tim Ferriss and I'm sure many other wise people reiterate is you're only busy doing the things you say yes to. And I was first told that by my beautiful girlfriend Alex and I loved it. It's, it's super cool and I'm, I'm glad to share it with you. Make sure to reach out if you took anything out of this podcast. Um, it's always awesome hearing from people what they enjoyed and also any ideas and tips or just feedback on our podcasts. We're up to episode 39 now and hopefully we've got many to come. All our podcasts, of course, are brought to you by Waikito and it's where you can find the whole catalogue of podcasts on our Facebook page, W-A-I-K-E-T-O, as well as various articles and things that I've uh, found of interest. Also, I link my at Stag Vision Instagram page to the Waikito Facebook page so you can see the goings on. Um, and if you're after exogenous ketones, you can go to waiket0.proveitnow.com and get access to ketones. Otherwise, if you're in New Zealand where you can't quite get on that website yet, um, just send us through a message on Waikito's Facebook page and I'll be able to get you sorted out with exogenous ketones. Um, super stoked to be getting the jellies ketones shortly when Alex's mum comes over from New Zealand. Um, also, we've got the Mayan Mocha Keto Cream, which I'm absolutely loving in my morning coffee, changing it up a bit. It's a little bit easier than uh, preparing the Bulletproof coffee. Just chuck a little sachet in the bottom, stir in the coffee, and it's bloody delicious. There's a little touch of cayenne pepper in there which is wow, it really is awesome on these uh, cooler mornings obviously not as cool as New Zealand but cool all the same hope you enjoy this episode be sure to reach out if you've got any ideas and thanks for listening be sure to give us a rating on iTunes that means many more people can hear this ciao